On episode seven of Off the Floor, we meet Caitlin Woods, who turned an interest into a passion and a passion into a business. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor, a podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lionel. I mean, I always thought that like ballroom dancing was so niche and very hard to describe, but I can't imagine having to explain to somebody that, you know, the line of work that you're in. So, so why don't you just tell everybody about like what you're doing and, and how it all got started? Okay. Yeah. It's a bit tricky for me to explain as well. So I am a professional hula hooper. <laughs> that's, that's the class. That's how I classify it. And, um, I blend circus style hula hoop tricks with freestyle dancing. Cool. So to make this my full-time job, I uh, have a mix of teaching adults how to hula hoop dance, okay. <laughs> the kind of like dance classes that you do in the evenings. I teach kids in schools, um, so in their vacation care and after-school care programs. And I have an online shop where I sell adult dance hoops. And I also perform. So I do corporate performance, roving entertainment, parties, festivals, music music events and things. Wow. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mix. That's wonderful. So what were you doing and where was the point where it went from like hobby to career? Okay. So I have only been hula hooping for uh, about four and a half years now. It was one of those things that I saw on YouTube and I was like, that's awesome. I need to learn how to hula hoop. So I went and got my first dance hoop, started teaching myself in my backyard off YouTube. <laughs> and then it was only about uh, six months before I quit my job and I decided to do this full time. <laughs> so wow. I, I pretty much just jumped straight into it. I was working in an office and then I'm like, eh, getting busy. <laughs> I'm t- I had to turn down some jobs, you know, during the daytime. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Now it's busy enough to actually just do this full time. Oh, good for you. Had you had like any kind of dance background, like any formal training or was it just kind of going to nightclubs or how would you describe that? No, I haven't had any formal dance training. I, you know, I did the the usual, you know, a year of jazz and ballet when I was like seven years old. And I did some salsa dancing for about a year when I was, you know, in my 20, early 20s or something, but no dance background. I've always just enjoyed kind of club dancing and grooving, yeah. <laughs> but I just kind of figured it out as I went along, I guess. Oh, that's great. <laughs> just developed the style as I went. So did you have to convince anybody in your life? Like we always have situations where when we have new staff that we hire, they have to have these really kind of tricky conversations with their, with their, with their family, especially, and sometimes with their friends to tell them, Hey, I'm going to pursue this job and it's kind of off the beaten path, but I love it. Did you have to have that kind of conversation or explain it to anybody? Like rationalize why you're going to make this, this leap into hula hoop land? No, uh, Funnily enough, my family and friends were incredibly supportive and it all happened so organically that they could kind of see it unfolding and understood exactly what was happening. <laughs> it was more of myself that I needed to convince um, <laughs> and rationalize as to what I was doing with myself. And still to this day, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> I'm a professional hula hooper. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that pursues something creative, I mean, it's always going to be kind of like a, a mix of like cheerleaders or some really hardcore pessimists. So it sounds like you have a really great group behind you. So like, if you think about like when you were a kid, could you ever have imagined yourself doing this? Like, did you have kind of like a, an idea of what you thought you'd be doing? Uh, I definitely, it never occurred to me that I would be hula hooping. Um, I, I couldn't hula hoop as a child. Uh, so it was a skill that I specifically learned as an adult. And I kind of never really had, had an idea of what I wanted to do when I grew up. I, 
kind of th- thought maybe, you know, just the usual stuff, the big dreams that kids have of, you know, working with dolphins, marine biologists, all of those big things. And I jumped around my career path so much uh, that it kind of just all unfolded into this weird, weird profession now. So <laughs> no, I never expected I'd be here. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you didn't write it down in your journal when you were in second grade that you'd be a professional hula hooper? Well, it's really, it's really interesting because I think um, when, you know, little girls have this dream of being, being ballerinas or being dancers. And that was always something that I, you know, I loved, I loved the idea of dancing, but it's one of those things that you, you assume that you need to have been classically trained from such a young age. And if you, if you don't have it by a certain age, then it's just never going to happen. And it's really weird now that I've managed to, you know, make this my profession uh, at such a later stage in life. That blows my mind a little bit when I think about it. The world, the universe works in weird ways. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So now I'm sure that your story has probably helped you when it comes to teaching, especially like adults. Are you running into a lot of people that are just coming in for the very first time? And and how do you feel like your story kind of helped that process? I think that adults, the, the problem with adults uh, in general is that they just don't want to, they just can't embrace the concept of learning, being beginners at something. Mm-hmm. So when you look at somebody that uh, is, you know, pretty skilled at what they're doing and they think, oh, it's going to take me years and years to get to that point. And then I go, oh, it actually only took me, you know, four months to get decent enough to teach you guys how to do this. Like <laughs> I haven't been doing it for very long. You know, that's kind of inspiring to them, Re- creating a space and educating adults on how to enjoy the process of learning and how to get past that fear of being beginners. It's really just about holding space for them while they (laughs) and making it okay, making a safe space for them to, you know, go through that awkward phase of looking dumb and (laughs) feeling silly, doing, making mistakes. We run into that all the time. And it's all about getting to that little like turning point where they start to see that glimmer of hope that they're not going to be like, feel like they're the, the worst student in the room. Is there like a physical thing that you notice? Or is it more of just like kind of a social thing? Is there some kind of cue that you look for where you you feel like someone's turning the corner and getting out of that awkward stage? I think it depends on how long people like really want to stick with this specific dance style. But in the first class um, of hula hooping, if you give an adult the the right tool, the right size hula hoop for their body type, for their height, and you get them hula hooping on their waist, that's usually enough of a motivation right there to encourage them to keep going. People are like, can all of a sudden do something that they could never have done as a child and they're inspired to keep going. So just any small win with a move and then it flips a switch. People get really addicted to hula hooping um, because of that process. Even if people are struggling to learn to hula hoop on their waist, which can take some people, you know, a few weeks, uh, we move into different kinds of tricks. So they may not be able to get something on their waist, but they may be able to do some of the stuff in their hands. So having a win early on with them is crucial and um, kind of unlocks it for people. So you just unlocked something for me. And I realize now where the malfunction is, is you mentioned height and like a specific type of hula hoop and you're talking about some really specialized stuff like I can buy my way into hula hooping knowing what you just said I have a feeling that I've been using the wrong hula hoop this whole time so I'm like really tall so I'm 6'4 so like what would be the perfect size hula hoop for someone who is tall and lanky like me Okay, so for adults to hula hoop, uh, the hoops need to be bigger and heavier. So if you're using a kid's toy, like one of these ones that comes up to your knee height and they're really lightweight, um, they're going to be impossible to spin on your waist. So if you're, uh, you know, an average size adult, um, average size waist circumference, you want a hula hoop that's like maybe a meter 
I don't, I don't know your inches, sorry. <laughs> we do like 100 centimeters, okay. um, which would be belly button height for most average size adults. Got it. So, so I would need like a 300 centimeter. <laughs> so if you are not carrying too much weight around your midsection, then you'd be fine with a 100 centimeter hoop as well. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. I, we have kids and I put on a little sympathetic pregnancy weight, but it's not that big. So that's okay. It's so important for people to have success. I think like you set yourself up for success by having the right tools. It's such a basic lesson. Um, that you can learn from something as simple as hula hooping. You know, if you're, <laughs> if you've got a kid's toy and it's not working for you, you think that there's something wrong with you. It's actually not having the right tool for the job that you're trying to do, you know? So like a, an example of like a, maybe a tricky student and then you got them to kind of see that little win. So I had a student, <laughs> this is a lesson for me as well. And she, the first class I'm demonstrating and I like to make it a little bit lighthearted and make some jokes and stuff when I'm explaining tricks. And she was really really apprehensive about it saying it was very silly she's like oh this is dumb she couldn't throw herself into it was hiding in the back of the room and after about three weeks she stuck with it and then she's like Caitlin this has changed my life <laughs> all the things changed my life and for me I'd gone home after that first class and gone oh this this woman she's like she's not enjoying the class I'm really feeling like I'm letting her down she's uh, not responsive she's not enjoying it and then she ended up being the biggest advocate for the the whole thing it was really weird yeah, it's funny how that can work out. And when you mentioned the thing too about that, I've only done this for four months. And part as a teacher, I know how you can feel almost like a fraud teaching somebody when you're still kind of new. And yet that was such a big help to those people to know that, wow, I've only done it for four months and, and I'm already teaching you. I think the imposter syndrome never goes away. I definitely had it when I was when I was teaching at the beginning. And it's funny because you only need to be better than the people that you're teaching to, you know, have something of value to offer. And you, you're going to grow uh, through the experience of teaching or doing whatever it is you do. So, you know, people not starting because they think that they need to be expert, you know, or need to be a certain level of expertise just cripples people. They never actually end up starting crazy, but the imposter syndrome never goes away. It just evolves into a, <laughs> into a new level of like, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this or this. Very weird. <laughs> it's funny how it's always just you against that little voice inside your head. Exactly. Let's say like you had some Someone coming in for the very first time and how would you get them to like loosen up? So I usually go through the process of going around and asking people what they're actually there for, what they're wanting to kind of get out of the class. People come to these things for so many different reasons, you know, introducing each other and and then we just go through, um, put on some cool music and start to get comfortable with hula hooping and dropping the hoop and moving around. I usually get people to spin the hoop on their waist, start to try to walk around, high five each other. I don't know, the quicker you can get people failing. <laughs> and dropping the hoop and realizing that the world isn't going to end. <laughs> if if they stuff up, the smoother it all goes. <laughs> so we try to do that pretty quickly. Sounds like a great company party too. So you, you do a lot of like corporate things too? I do a lot of corporate and it is, it's always interesting <laughs> taking all hoops into an office. <laughs> people in their suits. <laughs> There's always, people always want to single out certain, certain people to embarrass them in the office, um, which is great. Uh, yeah. Hula hoops lighten the mood. You know, you can't go wrong. Is there something on your like not like a curriculum but is there something is there like a move that's out there that like is like really tough to do like you know because you mentioned at the beginning like like a circus style like are there are there a lot of other styles or is it just kind of like you know so kind of take me through that so I can kind of understand that 
Okay, so um, traditional hula hooping is has a its circus circus roots, um, and circus circus hooping is kind of like the the pinnacle of you know difficulty and elite elite tricks that you that hoopers would aim for. So that you imagine people splitting hoops up their body, that complete body control, multiple hoops all up and down the body. Um, hoop dance is a genre of hula hooping that has evolved from circus hooping, which blends the freestyle dance movement. So it's got a lot more room for uh, creativity, self-expression, um, more movement. So it has then uh, developed all of these sub genres <laughs> where people can, you know, go off into their own little tangents of whatever they want to do. Um, I predominantly am a, an on body uh, hula hoop dancer. So uh, I use bigger hula hoops and I, I'm a body rocker. So I'm really doing a lot of dance style. Um, some people prefer to use very small, lightweight hula hoops and uh, very trick based. So very fast tricks and lots of movement. And then there's mini tiny hula hoops that people do very kind of object manipulation, optical illusion type of stuff with. There's, there's a lot of different uh, sub genres of hula hooping. <laughs> wow. That is so cool. And it's so interesting yeah. just to kind of look at like an activity and be on the outside of it and kind of be the student. And it's, it's really refreshing. I think it's so cool. It's so interesting when uh, you, you learn about a community of people that are obsessed with something <laughs> and you're like, there's so much, so much that these people are into that I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this rabbit hole of, of, of information and things that people obsess over and talk about all the time. <laughs> Right. So people find it very, very strange to hear that people hula hoop yeah. <laughs> and that it's the thing that people have said before. Absolutely. I mean, it, and it's cool that it becomes a community. And I think that that's, that's one of the coolest things about like these like little subcultures is that the communities are always going to be really tight. You know, like if, if it was people that played like squash or racquetball or, you know, they're all totally into it. And that's so neat that you've created so many connections that way. So what do you feel like if you had to think about it, like what's the most rewarding thing about what you do? Uh, probably connecting with the community, I'd say. Just the hundreds and hundreds of people that it webbed and networked into my life. We've, we've built a pretty amazing community of hula hoopers here in Sydney, and we connect with people all around the world, you know, getting to travel around. Like I was in America last August uh, for a hula hoop convention over there, oh, wow. <laughs> just traveling We're in Malaysia earlier in the year for another one. Um, I'd say that's been pretty rewarding. The weird variety of things that we get to do off the back of this, of this work, you know, Know, strange strange events and and things crazy life <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine now i have to ask you do you have do you name like do you have a name for any of your like trusty hula hoops like like the way like a gunslinger would name his favorite pistol like do you have like a hoop that's like that's susan over there and i only bring her out <laughs> on special occasions I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> well, okay, so when I when I started hula hooping, my hoops had names. <laughs> I had the goblin. <laughs> it was a green one. Um, I had pinky, which is a pink one. <laughs> really creative. But I literally have <laughs> thousands of hula hoops now, so I don't name them anymore, but it was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you some rapid-fire questions. Now it's time for rapid-fire Question. First thing is your perfect breakfast. My perfect breakfast. Oh gosh. Uh, probably. Oh, Vegemite on toast. 
Have you tried it? <laughs> I have. I have. So in America, we only eat Vegemite on a dare. <laughs> so it was my science class. I think I was in the eighth grade and my teacher, he said he'd give us extra credit if we tried it. Only a few people lined up and then I tried it. And so, yeah, it was, you know, it was okay. <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, one person, like celebrity, anybody, if you could have, if you could get one person and teach them how to hula hoop, who would it be? I don't know. Who's cool? Probably, I don't know. I'd teach everyone how to hula hoop if I could. I think every, all the celebrities should be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> how about Hugh Jackman? What about him? Hugh Jackman, that's a good one. Yeah, he'd be great. He'd be great at it and he'd just be great to hula hoop with. Great buddy to chat with while hula hooping. Yeah. You Jackman, good one. <laughs> Every, yeah, well, I was just imagining if I was you as a hula hoop teacher, who I would want to have as my student. Hugh <laughs> Jackman, he's dreaming. <laughs> Absolutely. And I've heard, you know, through just articles and stuff, but interviews and everything that he's supposed to be just like the coolest, most down to earth celebrity. He seems like the loveliest person. Yeah, I would totally. <laughs> I'll take him. Let's <laughs> hula hoop with me. Sign me up. I'll let him know when I get him on the on the podcast. <laughs> okay, I want you to give me what's the most Australian sentence that you can think of. So how about we, uh, you come around, I'll chuck a sanger on the barbie, grab a couple of stubbies, uh, put on your, put on your thongs and we'll have a great time <laughs> down at the, I don't know <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> I just, I heard you say barbie and everything else I didn't understand. <laughs> So our company is like all over the world. And so we there's some uh, some Arthur Murray Dance Studios in Sydney and also in, um, and I'm trying to remember the other ones. One of your uh, teachers from Sydney is one of my friends and um, I checked out the studio um, a few months back. And What? Yeah. Kate, Kate. You know Caitlin? Oh my gosh. Small so, world. Yeah, that is so crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so Caitlin is such a great girl and she is so good at what she does. And she's she's actually done some some guest articles on, on our website. That's so crazy. Awesome. Yeah, she's a beautiful dancer, lovely person. So wait, did you take lessons too? No, I haven't taken any lessons. I just know her um, with, with friends. So I, I want to take lessons. <laughs> I went around there to try to tee it up, but, um, you know, I will. I will. <laughs> you can totally do it. Oh, my gosh. I had a student who was a Polynesian dancer, and and her connection to, like, just body awareness made her transition into ballroom dancing. It was just, like, a seamless thing. So I'm sure you would do great. Definitely want to. It's okay. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'll call Caitlin, <laughs> and I'll make her an appointment for a lesson. Okay. Okay, that's perfect. So good. Okay. So if you had to say one thing, a final thought to our audience, what would be something that from your vantage point that you'd want to say to those people that are out there? Uh, I think that it's just never too late to start and do something that brings you joy. Yeah. I think people just spend so much time worrying about what other people think, what they're going to look like, and just miss so many opportunities for joy. Get out there and do it. Life is short. <laughs> just dance in the street. <laughs> Love That's it. pretty much it. It would be really difficult for Caitlin to be able to change people the way that she has through hula hooping if hula hooping hadn't changed her in some way. They say the best leaders are the ones that will do the things that they expect their followers to do. And Caitlin is absolutely that. In the process, she discovered things about herself that then she's been able to share with the people that she teaches and along the way she's found a community which is not unlike a lot of the other communities that pop up around these wonderful cultures that revolve around change i hope you've enjoyed this episode of off the floor 